the San Francisco Experience podcast. Brought to you by Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley perspective for a global audience featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 22, Episode 19, The Putin-Kim Summit. What were the results? Talking with Xiongyang Choi, reporter at the South China Morning Post in Hong Kong. It's been one week since North Korea's supreme leader, Kim Jong-un, boarded his armored train in Pyongyang for the 20-hour, 320-mile journey to Vladivostok in Russia's Far East. The purpose of his trip was to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. What was discussed and agreed? And why is it important to us? Joining us today from his office in Hong Kong is Xiongyang Choi, reporter at the South China Morning Post, to discuss the meeting. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jim. My pleasure. Xiongyang, please take a few moments to tell us about yourself and your career as a journalist. Yeah, so I study journalism and a master in international relations at the University of Hong Kong. And I worked at the NK News uh, as an intern for news training for covering all the North Korea-focused uh, stories. Uh, after I was done with my master's degree, I went to Washington, D.C. to work as a research intern for Center for Strategic International Studies, CSIS, which is a foreign policy think tank. And I worked for a career chair, so I was mainly helping to for the research on the South Korea's international relations, defense issues, and also North Korean nuclear missile development. And that's how where that's where I got the experience of all the think tank and foreign policy analysis. And then I, after I was done for half a year there, I came back to Hong Kong to work for South China Morning Post, where I mainly cover China's defense and military and foreign policy issues and also China's Korea relations. Very impressive. Give us a brief overview of the historic relationship between North Korea and Russia. Many of our listeners may not know that originally North Korea was a puppet state of the Soviet Union. So please give us an, a brief historic overview of that relationship. Yeah, so North Korea started as a puppet state of the Soviet Union in 1948 after gaining independence from Japan in 1945. So after World War II, uh, the Korean Peninsula was divided into North and South. So South in the South had capitalist regime backed by the United States, and uh, the North had the uh, communist regime backed by Soviet Union. Uh, so the Soviet Union uh, pushed the leader of this communist country as Kim Il Sung, which was a guerrilla uh, leader during the Japanese occupation of Korea. Mm-hmm. And Kim Il-sung pushed for the Korean War, uh, but it wasn't really successful. Uh, the border remained around the 38th parallel. And during this Korean War, the uh, Soviet Union backed North Korea, but covertly because it was very wary of expanding into World War Three and also directly confronting against the United States. Mm-hmm. And after the Korean War, the two countries uh, signed the Military Alliance Treaty, which mandates the Soviet Union to immediately inter- intervene in the case of the war. But this kind of uh, close ties between those two countries remain until the end of the 80s. And after the fall of the Soviet Union, and uh, Russia tried to mend ties with South Korea. 
those two countries' relations has been worsening. So uh, in the 1990s, uh, Russia nullified the military alliance oh. treaty between, with Korea. Mm-hmm. And then they made a sign a new military treaty in 2000, but it does not oblige uh, Russia intervention in the case of war in the Korean Peninsula. Even after that, they tried to mend ties together. So Kim Jong-il met with Russian President Vladimir Putin in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And Russia, but as North Korea tries to develop its nuclear weapons, uh, Russia has been opposing against it because it was uh, considered as a threat to its national security. So they abstained it. Yeah, so they abstained in the United Nations Security Council resolution imposing sanctions on North Korea for oh. uh, for its uh, and mm-hmm. missile development until 2017. But as the U.S.-China competition uh, intensifies and Russia's invasion of Ukraine draw, drew the two countries together, so Kim Jong-un visited Russia for the first time in April 2019 and again this month. Mm-hmm. And Russia becomes completely from the Western countries from the war and very urgently needs weapons aid. Uh, so, so that's how they turn their eyes to North Korea. Now, just tell me, does North Korea produce a lot of the same weapons that the that Russia produces? Is there interoperability between North Korea's armaments and Russia's armaments? Is that why the two countries are talking to each other? Yeah, so North Korea supplies, uh, well, the North Korea got a lot of supply, weapons supplies from Soviet Union during good relationship during the Cold War. Uh, so that's how they got all the Soviet-style weapons back then. And that's how uh, Russia could ask North Korea for its weapons because North Korea has a lot of uh, weapons storage that can be interoperable with Russia. And Russia can use these weapons in the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, without needs of adapting that into Russian weapon system. So it's better for them to use North Korean weapons than China, Chinese weapons because Chinese weapons have failed. I see. So what was the real reason then for Kim's recent trip last week to Russia? Was it to sign an arms deal? Because we didn't really get a communique at the end of that meeting. What was the purpose of the meeting and what were the results? Yeah, so they were likely have discussed the weapons deal between the two countries. So Russia needs ammunition, artillery shells, and anti-tank missiles to use in the war in Ukraine. And North Korea needs uh, weapons technology from Russia. For example, hypersonic ballistic missiles, satellite, uh, nuclear-powered submarine, fire jets, and etc. Because these are the crucial uh, technologies that can be used to diversify its nuclear uh, weapons program. This was shown in... The, the sites where Kim Jong-un visited during his trip to Russia. So Kim Jong-un visited uh, Vostochny Cosmodrome in Amur Oblast and met the President Putin there. And he also went to an uh, aircraft plant that produces Russia's advanced Sukhoi 57 fifth generation fighter jet. Russian Pacific Fleet in Vladivostok, as well as in fact inspection of um, Russian strategic assets like Kinzhal 47M2 uh, hypersonic missile with the uh, guidance by Russian uh, Defense Minister uh, Sergei Shoigu. And so this pretty much shows the intention that Russia, North Korea really uh, is really seeking for Russia, Russia's uh, advanced uh, weapons technology in exchange for, the, for their weapons to Russia. 
And there also might have discussed uh, Russia supplying supplies like gas, oil, and food mm. to North Korea because it has been very locked down by the COVID-19 border, border closure. And so uh, North Korea has been really suffering from uh, resource and food shortages. And so it is likely that North Korea would have sought for food and resources in exchange of their weapons to Russia. Let's yeah. just come back for a second to to the two sides. On the one hand, we have yeah. North Korea uh, on the one hand, which has yeah. a lot of armaments, but antiquated yeah. ar- armaments from the old Soviet Union days, shells, ammunition, perhaps armor-piercing shells yeah. against Ukrainian tanks on the one hand. On the other yeah. hand, you've got Russia, which for all of its weaknesses in many ways, on the other hand, it's still a, a very high-tech military power. It seems like Russia would, you know, for some shells and ammunition, for Kim Jong-un to expect to get hypersonic missiles and, you know, the latest Soviet technology, uh, the latest Russian technology, I should say, that seems like an unequal trade. Some bullets and shells for hypersonic missiles. It it doesn't seem like an equal... is, Is Russia that weak that they have to turn to that they have to turn to North Korea for a somewhat unequal, it would seem that North Korea would be getting the, the better side of that deal. We can say that it's actually, that is actually the exact reason why Russia is seeking military aid with North Korea, because as I mentioned, North Korea still uses uh, weapons from the Soviet Union, so the weapons can be operable between North Korea and Russia. And it is also likely that China refused to supply uh, Russia weapons, as they wanted to remain as a bystander in the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. and in turn and turn the Russian countries into their enemy. Because North Korea can be the only country that Russia can look into with the enough uh, weapons supplies that can be used in Ukraine. And North Korea is also in need of various weapons technology, which I mentioned previously, to diversify its nuclear program. So they want to build a nuclear-powered submarine. They recently launched a tactical nuclear submarine that is operable, but a lot of experts say it is is quite not because uh, how they built built it is really an unprecedented kind of submarine. So they have... They're a very small submarine that they modified it from the old Chinese uh, submarines, but they stationed a 10 vertical launching system, which is kind of unprecedented. So mm-hmm. they would really seek for the real advanced uh, submarine technologies from Russia. And these two conditions in Russia and North Korea became a point where the two countries were able to have common understandings uh, exchanging for exchanging weapons for weapons technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, how does China, and of course, as we all know, China has become yeah. North Korea's largest donor, but how yeah. is China looking at this, the strength in military ties between North Korea and Russia? Because... I would think that China would get a little bit nervous if it sees that North Korea is really significantly expanding its arsenal. How do you think China views this this move by North Korea and Russia? Well, China is in a dilemma right now because this can be both good and bad mm-hmm. uh, strategically. So 
creating uh, trilateral ties with North Korea and Russia can balance at the strengthening security ties between South Korea, the U.S., and Japan. So these three uh, countries have been really promoting the security ties that you can see in the Washington Declaration between U.S. and South Korea in April, which allowed uh, allowed the, the enhanced visible presence of the, the U.S. strategic assets in the Korean Peninsula more frequently. And the Camp David uh, summit also pledged to regu- regularize the summit and also the military training between the three countries. But North Korea getting closer to Russia means that North Korea can stay outside China's sphere of influence. Mm. So this that um, it wouldn't be really good for China to see that the North Korea and Russia really close, having a closer relations. It would it would want North Korea to still remain under uh, mm-hmm. influence, not like going towards leaning towards other great power. And China also wants to stay outside the war in Ukraine. Yes. So they have been putting a lot of efforts to be a mediator and bystander in the war instead of expressing support to Russia, uh, like North Korea did. China does not want to turn NATO and other Western countries into their enemy, mainly because they, they're currently having an economic downturn yes. at the moment, and they cannot uh, really abandon completely, they cannot completely abandon the relationship with these countries. And so this can be seen in China's uh, reaction. So... China has been staying away from Kim Jong-un and Putin's meeting. The foreign ministry said its uh, two countries' meeting is only about their bilateral relations and it doesn't really have any impact on China's foreign policy. So I think China will continue to maintain good relationship with North Korea and Russia, but it will try to stay away from forming a trilateral security ties between the two countries. And it is likely that they will only provide economic support I to see. North Korea. So it can increase their leverage on North Korea and maintain their influence over it. There's no doubt about it from my perspective that strengthened ties between North Korea and Russia is going to make it more complicated for China. Would you agree? Yeah, it's true because um, China really would, would not want uh, North Korea to be completely independent from its influence. Yes. And uh, Russia's influence over North Korea would, would make, make them to get more wary about about it. Well, China and Russia has been maintaining a good relationship recently. It wouldn't want their, it wouldn't want to lose their influence in Northeast Asia, particularly. Mm-hmm. And if Russia, uh, if North Korea ever tries to become more closer to Russia through um, weapons deal and also so all the getting all the economic support from Russia, China would lose that influence over North Korea, which would really cause headache for the uh, Chinese foreign policy. Well, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, where do you think at this point, what do you think China's options are here? Because it seems as though China has, China obviously has some leverage with Russia. It has leverage with North Korea. Do you think that China will use that leverage to try to keep the two, those two parties apart? Well, China would, is likely to mainly consult with Russia about this issue. So the Chinese foreign, foreign minister and top diplomat uh, Wang Yi has recently visited Russia to discuss the bilateral relationship between, relationship between the two countries. So it is likely that these kind of weapons deal would have, would have been consulted between the two countries. And not sure if there will be any visits from China to North Korea at the moment. It is likely that they will resume their diplomatic communications very soon and they will try to consult with them about what can China do for North Korea. Possibly try to stay in line, mediate between those two countries. Uh-huh. And 
they, they will try to become more of a neutral stance I see. To, to become a bridge that connects the two countries instead of like pushing them to become more closer and closer. Yeah. Well, Seong Yang, this has been a fascinating discussion, really getting a bird's eye view. Yeah. You're a Korean national yourself. You're, you've studied yeah. in Hong Kong. So you have a sensitivity yeah. to both the Korean issues, the Korean security issues, and, yeah. the, and China's perspective. How can yeah. our listeners follow you? They can follow me through LinkedIn, so they can search my name and you can just connect with me through it. And I mainly use LinkedIn, so I would appreciate it really if they could follow me through this. And could you, once again, uh, for for the LinkedIn, could you give your name so that our listeners know how, who to look for on LinkedIn? Yeah, so my name is Hong Hyun Choi, so S-E-O-N-G-H-Y-E-O-N and C-H-O-I. Yeah, that will be my name. Search me up. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. Seon Young, I want to thank you very much for joining us today and sharing your unique perspective and insights on this historic visit. And I understand that Vladimir Putin has now been invited by Kim Jong-un to come to Pyongyang. So we'll, we'll have to see if that materializes in 2024. Once again, thank yeah. you for joining us and look forward yeah. to having you back real soon. Thank you. I look forward to speaking with you again. Very good. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 445. The San Francisco Experience podcast is carried on Apple, Spotify, and Pandora, 18 platforms in total, with listeners in 60 countries. Feedspot recently recognized the show as one of California's top 25 news podcasts. This has been the San Francisco Experience podcast with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco. 